The Start. On Demand. demand. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us on this Tuesday morning and on Tuesdays, just after Global News at 7.30. That's when we always do our Breakfast with the Bombers segment, and it's usually... You know, fun, exciting. We're excited about you know the upcoming game, but today, Greg, we have to have a a different kind of conversation today as it pertains to the Winnipeg Football Club. Yes, uh, that's unfortunate, uh, Brett. Uh, Kenny Lawler, as you will have heard by now, unless you're just tuning in, uh, charged with DUI. Uh, in the early hours of yesterday morning, and uh, Lawler has been suspended by the Blue Bombers, and that's on the heels of his best ever performance as a Blue Bomber. In fact, he had over 200 yards receiving against the BC Lions Friday night. He's now the leading receiver in the CFL statistically, and uh, you know this is difficult news for anyone who's lost a loved one to an impaired driver. These uh, things can be triggering for them. It's something. That happens still uh, far too often in our society, Loren. The, our relationship with alcohol is um, is an interesting one, right? Because uh, we 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 enjoy, and not everyone does, but uh, many people enjoy a relationship with alcohol to a certain extent. Uh, libations are, are are part of social situations, and we know that there are so many that struggle with addiction to alcohol, and of course, the continuing issue of driving while under the influence of alcohol is something that has has scarred uh, society for far, far too long. And of course, this is uh, a morning of mixed emotions, I would say, for for fans of the football club because you have this relationship with the team overall and some of the players become your favorites. You feel like you've got this connection with them. But on social media in particular, which is where you can, you know, quickly take the pulse of how people are feeling uh, this morning on any uh, topic, there is a range of emotions from, uh, you know, I hope he gets the help that he needs. He clearly, clearly has an issue to people saying and suggesting that the team should cut ties with Lawler altogether and and uh, just basically walk away from the situation and the individual and the player and and some will be uh, happy that the the team is uh, supporting him on his uh, battle with alcohol, a self admitted battle with his relationship with alcohol. Yeah, this is, of course, all according to the statement that came from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We, of course, haven't had a chance to speak with Kenny Lawler ourselves. We've also put in a request to Winnipeg Police to find out more information about the incident that led to the statement from the Blue Bombers. And we're understanding that Coach O'Shea will also address the situation later today. But the statement from the Blue Bombers was that, quote, Kenny informed the team today, so that was yesterday, of his arrest for operating a motor vehicle while impaired early this morning. Upon further investigation, the club has suspended Kenny for Friday's game and has reported the incident to the league office. The statement goes on to say, we take this incident very seriously and have spoken at length with Kenny. Kenny recognizes the seriousness of the situation and that this type of behavior is unacceptable. And according to the Bombers, Lawler has agreed to seek assistance as it relates to alcohol abuse and is cooperating with police. So lots more to be discussed on this, but that, you know, it sends all sorts of thoughts about, you know, there would be people thinking about what happened, why, what about the situation with him, what's the extent of um, what they referred to as alcohol abuse and then of course there's just the game the matter at hand what what people just sometimes the simple things in life that you care about and he's now not part of that game on friday the calls on social media to cut ties with him greg what do you think of that personally yeah well i always try to put myself in the shoes of the individual who's being called out and i would hate to think 
that uh, if I was facing a similar battle with my relationship with alcohol or any other substance, uh, depending on the circumstance, I would like to think that my employer would stand behind me and help me get through if it's an addiction, if it's a one-time thing uh, to help me understand uh, what's going on. Look, we're all adults, Mm -hmm. but people make mistakes in life. We're all human. We're right. all human. That's right. And is it a first offense, second offense, 10th offense? You know, what correct. impact? Like there's all sorts of there's things we don't know here. Exactly. And so I try and put, like I say, put myself in that situation. And I would hope as long as I, you know, haven't committed. Well, once again, this is potentially a crimp, right? He's been charged with this. So we got to be careful what we say. All, all I would say is that I would hope that there would be an opportunity for me to right my wrong. Let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. And once again, as Loren mentioned, Coach Mike O'Shea will be addressing this today after practice. And we do will be, still be doing our breakfast with the Bombers at 735. Who's joining us, Greg? Jackson Jeffcoat, who is one of the cornerstones of this juggernaut Blue Bomber defense. There's no other uh, term that really says as much as the word juggernaut. This team is doing things uh, maybe never seen before in the Canadian Football League. In eight fourth quarters, uh, part yes, so far this season, the team has given up a grand total of six points. We discussed that wow. a little bit with Bob Irving yesterday and, you know, I've been following this team for 40 plus years and Bob's been the voice of the team for 40 plus years and uh, neither one of us can remember anything even approaching this. So we look forward to speaking with Jackson Jeffcoat. A lot of people might not know this. Uh, Jackson's dad, Jim Jeffcoat, won two Super Bowls as a member of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, so, I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. So one of the questions I'm interested uh, in getting I've interviewed Jackson in the past but I'd be interested in knowing like was it always sort of expected that you'd become a football player right Mm. the impact of that from your father I have a question for you Greg as well this morning it's not football related are you enjoying a steep tea this morning (laughs) I am I feel like I've interrupted you three times where you're just like trying to take that sip like (laughs) oh no I'm all done I'm I'm drinking water now I'm done Ah. my tea (laughs) I just kept thinking this poor guy's trying to get his caffeine in and he's like He's still asking me questions. No, okay, not going to drink it there. I, I, can't, I can't see you guys anymore, so I try to imagine what's going on at two hundred one. The just the drama, the well, tea drinking in the studio. Well, I can tell you, I can see Greg in the monitor, and when I asked him the question, "What do you think?" Uh, he did have a <laughs> drink in his hand. <laughs> Sorry, so. <laughs> Sorry I, nobody needs to know all this, but I, I miss seeing everyone's faces and interactions. And I'm like, poor Greg, I feel like he's really trying to get through this steep tea right now, and we're not helping. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, a study in the U.S. suggests the effectiveness of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine wears off after six months. As Global's Aaron MacArthur reports, if those findings are verified in a larger study group, it could prompt a major rethink about booster shots. How long does the protection last? It's a question scientists have been asking since COVID vaccines were first approved for use. A new paper, which has yet to be verified, suggests the protection from the Pfizer vaccine may run out sooner than many would like. After six months, 46 people tested showed greatly reduced antibodies. It's limited data, but doctors are paying attention. I do not think we need to rush into this and give booster shots to everyone. And these new data do not change my mind in this regard. 
They just tell me that the issue remains very important to study. In BC, a much larger data set indicates strong protection from two doses of vaccine out to four months. Booster shots are being given to vulnerable people in long-term care settings, but at this point there is no indication BC has plans to join Israel or the EU, which are recommending third doses for everyone. We're not seeing a need for a booster dose for most of us right now, and we're going to continue to monitor that. BC's data matched by a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine and data from Quebec, which show no indication of waning durability with two-shot vaccines. But in our data at this time, we see pretty much no decline in protection. Experts warn waning antibodies doesn't necessarily mean waning immunity. The body's defense mechanisms will remain primed to deal with COVID-19. Boosters likely will be needed down the road. Many experts predicting COVID-19 will become endemic. People requiring regular shots to keep up their protection. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. So a couple things from this. It's a pretty small sample size that are using there. It's a small study group, but there's been similar studies done about the efficacy after several months with the Pfizer vaccine as well as other vaccines. So it's just something I think they're just monitoring. And we have had, Greg, over time, different epidemiologists and immunologists come on air and say that that, that booster shot might be the way this goes down the road, that this might be something we just kind of like the flu shot that we becomes a more regular part of our lives. And, and you heard Aaron reference there the fact that the EU is now looking at this third shots and Israel, of course, has been handing out third shots, even talking about more than that. And so it's happening in other parts of the world. Uh, it doesn't sound like we're ready to go there just yet here in this country, but it has been on the table and mentioned before. No question about it. And uh, anybody who tries to uh, suggest that at any point it was suggested that uh, the vaccines uh, were sort of uh, two shots and done. That's the end of it for everybody who isn't paying attention. This virus uh, mutates, it changes, and uh, you could argue, we've had this conversation with Cynthia Carr in the past, uh, Brett, the idea that the virus that we're dealing with this Thanksgiving is different than the one we were dealing with last Thanksgiving because of the variance of concern and how this uh, the virus has changed over time. So uh, the more research, the better on this. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, in our next segment, we are going to talk about National Walk to School Day. It's tomorrow. Or in some parts of the world, it's called International Walk and Roll Day Ooh. in Ireland. That's what they call yes. it. <laughs> so, God bless them. <laughs> uh, so we want you to tell us a story about walking to school. <laughs> walk biking and to roll. school. Walking and rolling to school. Maybe you take a skateboard to school when you were a kid. Uh, or maybe, like me, you ran down the street every day to try to catch your bus. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you left the house too late. Oh, we're so similar, Brett. <laughs> so we'll We'll get into that in our next segment. But right now, we want to talk about, Loren, Facebook's faceplant. Yeah, so uh, there were so many people reacting to this yesterday in some ways funny, making memes up about, oh my gosh, how can we live without Facebook and Instagram? Who, How will I know who's liking the picture of my meal I'm cooking right now if I can't post it instantly? But yeah, Facebook's family of popular platforms, so Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, they all went offline for hours yesterday, causing disrup- disruptions right around the world, Greg. Yes, and imagine if your birthday was yesterday. 
You missed out on all those birthday <laughs> messages. And if you had friends whose birthday was yesterday, you likely didn't know about it because of the Facebook outage. Appears to be working just fine this morning. As Global's Mike Armstrong reports, the outage comes after a whistleblower raised red flags about the company's ethics. Whatever happened, happened just before noon Eastern. Facebook and what it calls its family of apps went down. In their place, an error message, the sort of thing you see when you're not connected to the internet. Except it appears it's Facebook itself and its apps, things like Instagram, WhatsApp and Messenger, that are the ones not connected. Total outage, no signs of life uh, for uh, Facebook, any Facebook services globally. This is huge. Facebook had to take to Twitter to explain, tweeting that it was working to get things back to normal as quickly as possible. The issue appears to be a problem with the company's information on the Internet's domain name system, DNS. Users logging on can't reach the site because its DNS information isn't there. It's like losing access to a phone number. The likely cause, experts say, an error in a new security configuration. All the information that's out there appears that Facebook was making some sort of change, and that in the process of making that change, they accidentally disabled this and locked themselves out. There are reports one of the reasons the outage dragged on so long is because so many Facebook employees are working from home. When they got locked out, they couldn't fix the problem. In fact, there are reports employees then had difficulties even getting into the company's offices physically. It's alleged that when they got there, none of them could get into the building because their badges and ID system is all tied into that same network that's not working. Now, there is still a chance a hacker went after the company. That was a possibility a lot of people jumped to when it went down. Facebook has been swirling in criticism in recent weeks and took a big hit Sunday night on 60 Minutes. The program interviewed a whistleblower who says Facebook is tearing societies apart by putting profits ahead of the public good. When we live in an information environment that is full of angry, hateful, polarizing content, it erodes our civic trust erodes our faith in each other. That whistleblower is set to testify to U.S. lawmakers Tuesday, but experts say that the outage came the very next day after her revelations is likely just a coincidence. Mike Armstrong, Global News. I gotta say, when uh, I realized everything had gone down, I was kind of relieved, Loren. Yeah. I, I, listen, look, there's there's all sorts of facets to this story. First of all, that whistleblower making the allegations that basically the company amplifies hate and misinformation and political unrest. Those have been allegations that have been around for a long time, but she's set to speak today. So there's that part of the story. And then there's just the part where, you know, it made me realize how often I was automatically picking up my phone and hitting that icon or going to the, my Instagram to look for nothing, like just like it becomes this thing you're doing. You don't even realize you're doing it almost like a tick and I'm holding the phone and I'm looking down. I'm like, what am I looking for on here? And I hardly ever post anything anymore. I haven't posted on Facebook in ages and that's not a comment on those who do. I just haven't. So what am I looking for on there? I I'm rarely on Instagram, but I like to look at the photos and pretty pictures of food, but it made me realize what a compulsion I have to look. And when it went down, it was like, Oh yeah, there's no point. And so it was almost like you, you could put your phone down. I don't know. It had me thinking a lot about deleting at least three, all three of those besides the WhatsApp that you and I 
and Greg used to communicate. I was thinking seriously yesterday. This is proof. I have to get rid of these things. Well, I've been uh, on Facebook very little over the last two or three years. I've been trying to wean myself off of it. So it didn't affect me a tremendous amount yesterday. Uh, but I did have to chuckle during Armstrong's report there that Facebook had to take to Twitter to let yes. people know what yes. was going on. And then, of course, the reports that... That Facebook employees were literally potentially locked out of physical facilities because of this as well. Uh, who knows what's at the source and at the core of this and the fact that, yes, of course, this is all likely a coincidence of the timing of this versus uh, what happened mm. on 60 Minutes on Sunday night. But, you know, uh, it, it's fun to speculate that it sure. might be tied to, to uh, things and that they're one in the same, Brett. I like, I like the to- uh, response from Twitter yes. that you forwarded, Loren, where they sent out a tweet yeah. saying, hello, literally everyone. And McDonald's <laughs> uh, weighed in saying, hi, what can I get you? And Twitter said, 59.6 million nuggets for my friends. Um, so Twi- Twitter, I'm sure, very much enjoyed mm-hmm. all of this because they benefited, uh, I think, the most. But you mentioned the word compulsion, Loren. I was at the golf course yesterday, and as I'm apt to do, I like to take pictures and video and post them while I'm playing. And sometimes it distracts me and gets in the way or guys are waiting for me to tee off and I'm busy fumbling with my phone. So it was nice to not even have to think about it. I still took a couple of videos of the, all the geese who were in our way. I hit one, by the way. I didn't mean to, but I hit one with a, one of my lousy tee shots. Oh, boy. But it was nice to just not to just be break. able to play golf and not think about my my stupid phone. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how many times have we had this conversation, too, and, and about the warnings that we get and about Instagram for teens and how it's bad for depression, and, and yet we continue to persist with it. So I think maybe I have to take a hard look at it. And we are at 9.05 going to continue talking about this. We have a psychologist and author who's joining us. She actually wrote the book called Deviced, Balancing Life and Technology in a Digital Age. And I always love conversations about work-life balance, let alone balancing life in this world where we are constantly sharing our information and, and looking for those approvals. So I'd love to know if people feel like they're actually addicted to these platforms and these apps. Do you feel like you struggle to put them down, turn them off, turn away, and not care whether you're getting those likes or not? Well, did you not just book uh, Doreen uh, Dodge and uh, Maggie because of the wonderful pun in the title of the book? Device, obviously a play on words (laughs) and and a tie to divorced. Uh, But uh, Ron, now this is unscientific uh, information from Ron on the text line at 780-6868. Facebook went down, office productivity went up 152%. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Weigh in on our question of the day as well at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp went down Monday. What's your reaction when that happens? Your options are good. I need a break. Second option, I start to hyperventilate. I need my social media. And your third option is, I'm never on them anyway. Cast your vote, cjob.com. We've also put it up on Twitter, at 680cjob. And hey, we'd love for you to follow us on Instagram. We update our story every morning to give you a heads up on stuff that's coming. Sometimes we put polls up there. That's uh, kind of our fun zone, is Instagram.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, uh, heads up 9.30 today. They're having a Vax to Win news conference. That is the province. A lot of people have been saying, whatever happened to that second lottery? So I guess we'll get an update on that today at 9.30. Right now we want to talk about getting your walk on. We're talking about walking to, walk to school day to today. The day is tomorrow, first Wednesday of October. Uh, but for today, uh, we're going to, at 8 o'clock, have a conversation with somebody about the fact that only 27% of kids either walk to school or ride their bike. So let's chat about walking slash biking, maybe even busing to school. Do you ever have any mishaps while you're getting yourself to school? Maybe you got chased by bullies and you had to dart through a backyard or maybe you crashed your bike. I don't know. Missed your bus. Bus didn't come. I stood outside once in minus 30 for like 45 minutes and my bus didn't come. Uh, you ever get caught in the rain? It's etc etc tell us a story for a chance to win tickets we have two things up for grabs today we got bomber tickets for friday uh, against edmonton and we have boo at the zoo tickets as well um we might give that those away in a different way but potentially you could be the runner-up and get the boo at the zoo tickets but the bomber tickets are going to be uh for sure for this so let's go around the horn here cam poitras what say you? Uh, well, my dad was way worse at getting up in the morning than any of my brothers. My dad was way worse. So it's like everyone else talks about their, you know, as a teenager, they had to bug, their parents had to get them up. Well, I had to get my dad up because he was the one who ended up driving us to school. And one day we got in, uh, we got into the car way too late. We were rushing to work. He couldn't, and the gas tank was on E, like, you know, like uh, like Seinfeld, where it's like past E, and you're, you're you're testing the limits. So my dad is driving down Lajemodier, getting me to my school in in Birds Hill, and he's he's at Birds Hill Elementary, and he's I don't know if this even works, but he's shaking the gas tank like he's swerving a little bit because apparently for whatever reason he was telling me that if you move like that, it moves the gas back and forth in the gas tank and it saves on gas. I don't think that that's true, but somebody must have told him that at some point. Uh, and if it is true, yeah, text the show, 204-780-6868. I need to know if it's true or not because to this day, I still don't know. But he got us to school on time and he got and, and it for some reason worked. And I think he drifted into the gas, into the gas station. Um, it's like those ink pods, you know, in your printer. Yeah. If, if it's showing low, you shake them up a little bit. That, that, that'll <laughs> That's what he was doing. I don't know if it does it work. I don't. I don't know. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Jeff Braun? Well, at least Cam, you were willing to get in the car with your dad and let him drive you to school. When I was in grade twelve, my sister was in grade nine, and we went to the same high school. And in the cold winter days, my mom would give my sister a ride, and I would just refuse, flat out refuse to go with them. I was like, nope. I'm going to walk to school because I don't want to be cool? dropped off in front of the school with my mom and my sister. <laughs> yeah, oh my just word. too cool. I'd risk the frostbite instead. And that was, to, to this day, I was just like, well, why would I do something else? <laughs> I guess that's it? teenage boys, right? Doesn't Foolish pride. Uh, Mr. Forte. When I was in it's either grade five or six, I was a patrol, you know, for the traffic and, you know, crossing the kids. And uh, I was walking home from school after my patrol shift and uh, some older kids, some junior high kids came by and they stole my flag. They stole my flag out of my backpack, my patrol flag. Oh, I know. How dare they? It was traumatizing. Did you get but, it back? 
No. And you couldn't even flag downhill. I uh, know. <laughs> exactly. Had my I was so excited to be at patrol. I thought that was the coolest thing. Was that grade six? And you just felt so much responsibility. Like, check me out. I am at a crosswalk telling people what to do. I got a vest on. I, I got, got a, a flag. Vest. Well, you didn't. But, but, then, but then the flag got stolen. And it was, oh. it was heartbreaking. I couldn't stand the patrols. They always got free pizza. That's right. And, oh, and really? We, we went to Wheelies oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. We got to go to Wheelies. I was a conflict manager. I didn't get nothing. I had to fight for pizza. I was in. I was banging on desks in Mr. Mahar's office. He ran the conflict manager. I said, the patrols are always getting pizza. Why the heck don't we get pizza? And this was me in grade three, so this is set, set the stage for my the rest of my life. <laughs> so much for public service, Cam. Yeah. What's in it for me? Exactly. I want pizza. Uh, Loren. Well, I think we should bring this back. We used to have, and I'm sure I got... I have the measurements wrong, but our old farmhouse I felt like it was a kilometer from the highway where the bus would pick us up. And so on those cold days, you'd walk down the lane in the snow and trudge through. But our parents had built like a bale fort at the end of the lane and you would just hide out in it. It was covered. It was just like a little shack of bales. And then we would cut out a hole to watch someone had to be on the bus watch because there were so many times we'd actually be sitting there playing that we completely missed the bus. Like just be <laughs> sitting there playing and the bus would go on by. Uh, but the one, the story that stands out to me is the day there was a blizzard that, where they actually sent us all back home and we were all dressed in our full winter gear and the bus driver, Mr. Levitch, gets to the end of the lane and says, Mrs. McNabb, it's pretty cold out and it's blustery. Do you want me to drive the kids down the lane? And my mom just says quickly over the CB radio, nope, they can walk. And that was my life, always walking through the snow. I feel like I'm that parent now that's like, you don't know what it's no like. We used to walk kidding. two miles both way uphill <laughs> oh, through word. the snow. Your mom you had a, a CB radio? Well, we had the CB radio for the farm, like to talk to if someone was in the tractor or truck or the oh, combine. Okay, that makes sense. And so the bus driver just, that's how she communicated. And I remember just sitting there on the bus, please say he can drive us. Please say he can drive us. They can walk. <laughs> One of our listeners says, uh, I've got news for you. The patrols were not... The cool kids. Oh, Wrong. Hey, I hey, disagree. At my school, they were the cool kids. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And if yeah. you and just, if you drive up Henderson Highway and uh, some of the other uh, rural roads, you'll see those uh, bus shelter like <laughs> structures. And I never knew what they were for, but uh, I guess it's so you can uh, wait, stay warm. Yes, yeah, so you can stay warm while you're waiting for the school bus. I'm not saying we were the cool kids. I'm just saying we. I felt cool. I, I like there's to say. A I like to say I was cool. Yeah. Doesn't mean I was, but I like to say Yes, exactly. It felt cool, man. Mackling, what about you? Oh, boy. Uh, I know the high school was a write-off for me in terms of making the bus. There were three buses that I could get. One meant that I could ride with my friends, uh, but it meant backtracking on foot. And I knew I was never going to make it. So I think it was the first day of grade 10 I took that bus, and that was about it. And then there was another bus stop on Ellis that I could hit the Ellis bus, but that was always hit and miss. Or I could walk down to Portage Avenue. It was also the diametric opposite uh, direction from school. So I just ended up walking typically, and I was late damn near every day for three years of high school. There was just no getting around it. I just could not get there on time, couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I'm surprised they actually continue to let me come to school, quite frankly. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Cam mentioned in his previous, the previous half hour that his dad, they got in the car once to get driven to school. They get in the car when it's beyond E, the gas tank. So his dad was like sort of swerving the car back and forth, 
because he claimed that sloshing whatever gas was around was still left in the tank would create fumes to get him there. And Cam said, hey, does that work? And Doug says... It might, but you wouldn't have full power. Doug, I think, is confirming that. He was shaking the car to try to make some fumes so he could just get a little bit further. <laughs> the tricks we have, I remember someone telling me, I'm trying to remember if it's my husband or someone, that if you're taking a, the curve, if you go on the certain corner, like if you're turning around the curve on a highway, if you kind of move a bit over, you can also save on gas if you're more on the inside lane versus outside. Oh. I feel like that was just some sort of weird thing that got said shortening the route yeah i don't know is that like by what milliseconds like i just don't yes yes i mean i guess if you're uh going through the rogers pass or kicking horse pass every other day perhaps (laughs) that that might might have an impact not not on the flat prairies you don't think i don't know if you guys saw joanne's text but we also were talking about just rides to school right and missing the bus and her dad was the bus driver, so she said, I tried so hard to miss she my school was. bus. <laughs> Sucks when your dad is actually the driver. I had to get on at 7.25 a.m. to get to school at 9 and on the bus at 3.30 to get home at 4.55 because she was just riding with dad. <laughs> You'd have no excuse, eh? Like, not going to make the bus. Yeah, you are. I'm, your, I'm the driver. Tell us a story for a chance to win bomber tickets for Friday's game. Uh, tell us the story about walking to school, riding your bike to school, Taking the bus to school, whatever. Tell us a story. We'll pick the winner just after 9.15. We've also got Boo at the Zoo tickets this morning to give away as well. And in our next segment, we'll give you today's code word for the big bomber bash. In the meantime, health officials are warning that Manitoba is still heading down a dangerous path when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, insert deep breath here. But as we enter the fourth wave, those officials are largely using the same playbook from earlier waves, Loren. So Global's Will Reimer took a look at what's happening now and what has already happened and and spoke to several experts who were saying that path we're on could have real implications for COVID-19 patients. With a fourth wave on the horizon, officials are hoping those who haven't been following public health messaging will soon begin to understand the severity of a virus that has so far killed over 1,200 Manitobans. Part of that is messaging, part of that is outreach. Um, There's a lot of work being done by a lot of people in the region. Uh, to work on vaccine uptake, uh, to work on the on the messaging on the importance of uh, of this. Chief Public Health Officer Dr. Brent Rusin adding the difference this time is public health orders targeting the unvaccinated. He hopes that by seeing the trajectory the province is on, they will adjust their behaviors. Dr. James Blanchard from the University of Manitoba says short of micromanaging the lives of Manitobans, there may not be much more public health can do. It seems that to a large degree people are kind of if they've decided not to be vaccinated um it 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 seems like it's been very difficult to persuade people in some cases it 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 seems to be tied into decisions around you know things like social distancing and wearing masks and other preventive mechanisms while the goal initially was to flatten the curve in manitoba dr blanchard says officials are now trying to flatten the curve in areas where vaccine uptake is lowest I think what we can anticipate is that the pockets of the population that are not yet infected and haven't been vaccinated will end up having transmission. The challenge for public health is to try to make sure that the transmission that occurs isn't too fast. At the end of August, officials presented three scenarios the province would possibly follow during a fourth wave of the virus. Dr. Rusin said today the province appears to be following the middle or severe trajectory And if people aren't willing to follow the recommendations, the health system will once again be put under significant strain. 
Will Reimer, Global News. So based on uh, what I gathered yesterday from that technical briefing, uh, that Dr. Rusin is still unwilling for whatever reason. He says that uh, it wouldn't do much good, but he's unwilling to this point to release the test positivity rates of the different parts of the province. That has some of us scratching our heads. But maybe the bigger concern I have, uh, Brett Loren, is the fact that this message about trusting Manitobans to do the right thing over Thanksgiving feels and seems very familiar. Remember a year ago, that's exactly what we were talking about because the messaging then was that you could still gather, but they would prefer that you didn't, I think was basically, if I'm summing that up mm. right. And if you did, yep. try not to share utensils and all those sorts of things and keep the gathering sizes small. And then I think within weeks of that, we suddenly were talking about not really having Halloween and suddenly the Christmas plans were off the table. And so I just, like, I just, this roller coaster of being on here and heading down the same path again is is super frustrating and i and i know you you highlighted the positivity issue the fact that we don't know the different positive results or test positivity rather for the different health districts we did get this information before they used to break it down like that back in the spring did they not where they'd say interlake is this winnipeg is that or do we always just had the winnipeg provincial divisions no i i i want to say that there was uh, a further breakdown but i won't uh, say 100 percent that i recall that it's been a while that it's sort of just been when the province overall and then winnipeg separate but i do feel as though at some point during this pandemic we have had the various test positivity rates broken down by region today is also the day that the new restrictions take effect right just as we head into the long weekend so that's the one with the gatherings where if you have somebody present who's unvaccinated then it's uh you can only have people from one other household and uh was it a maximum 10 in 10 indoors loren i can't yeah. already yeah. forgotten no and it depends too on like if you have one unvaccinated person there's rules for indoor gatherings and then there's rule for outdoor gatherings and so that had people texting yesterday Brett to say for example they talked about one woman in Altona who had to uninvite her her son and her family because of um the fact that they weren't vaccinated mm-hmm. so i'm i'm genuinely curious who actually is going to follow that rule we're supposed to but i just don't know where this goes and how where this gets us and and who's calling one another out on this front Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you to tell us a story about from when you would walk to school, ride your bike to school, maybe take the bus to school. Like uh, Joanne was saying, she tried to miss her bus, but she couldn't because her dad was a driver. Uh, So once I got into high school, I had to take transit to school. I went to Collège Pierre Elliott Trudeau in Transcona, and the bus that I would take was Route 90, and uh, every day. Every single day, I would be running down the street to catch the bus, sometimes chasing the bus. There was, I think there were a couple of times where I just gave up. I saw the bus drive away, and I just threw my arms <laughs> in the air and said, to heck with this. And one of the guys on the bus, I think his name was Quincy, stuck his head out the window and said, oh, come on, man, you can make Keep it. Running. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that was my dad's daily. I, I often wonder, like, did my dad, was he frustrated by it or was it sort of a, a source of amusement for yeah. him? Maybe he and the other dads in the block had a bet. Like, guys, Brett's going to make it today. No, 10 to 1, he doesn't. Maybe there's a whole, like, Vegas thing going on you didn't know about. 
<laughs> a pool on Brett's yeah. ability to make the bus yeah. or not? Like, I, I guess back then there wouldn't been, wouldn't have been texting, but I could imagine now that would be fun. Here he goes again. All right. <laughs> Five to one shot. Will he or won't he? <laughs> Neighbors five houses down just see this blue streak as Brett's running down the block to try to catch the ball. My sister was always there on time. She was the responsible one out of the two of us when it came to that. Uh, so tell us a story for a chance to win. Uh, we are getting texts oh, as well on no, the gas. No, gas no. is a dollar forty-two nine at the Provence Shell. The Shell on Pemina is a dollar forty-two nine. Uh, Renee or Rennie uh, says it's still at one thirty one nine in Stonewall. So, but uh, hang on, was it not one twenty five or one twenty six yesterday? Like and that's uh, a big jump. Well, there there have been some different. Uh, I wouldn't say price wars going on, but there's a there are a couple different zones where, in particular, on Marion, you'll see the Husky and the Domos lower than everybody else in the city. Uh, David says it's 142 on Skirfield as well. And you know, I jinxed it. I said something to Jackie the other day. We've been at 131.9 forever. <laughs> My fault. Sorry, yep. guys. There it is. All right. Keep those stories coming, by the way. I'm walking to school for a chance to win some bomber tickets. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. Coming up after Global News at 9 o'clock, more on the social media shutdown. Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, all crashed and burned yesterday. So we're going to speak to the author of a book called Deviced to find out just how addicted are we to our technology. Uh, Speaking of technology, for example, I can't seem to get any video to load at cjob.com right now. I thought it was maybe just one story, but I tried a whole bunch and no video playing there. So I'm having all sorts of technical issues. Like I couldn't, I just randomly lost all data connection on my phone. I've had to reboot my phone twice this morning. So there's like a weird technological... blip in the radar happening something's going on you're an anomaly brett it's that pure magnetism is having an effect on all of the digital devices in your sphere of influence that's right that's exactly what it is but do you feel panicky from that like you know we were we're going to talk at nine about our addiction last was it last friday or two fridays ago my phone broke like i could not get the screen to work it Mm. would not turn off it wouldn't turn on and I drove right away into Winnipeg because I thought I can't, I can't do this. Like I need this phone. And what happened? How did you resolve it? They had it was a broken screen. So oh. 180 bucks later, it just he it, the screen had come unattached from the soft the something the the thingamajiggers underneath the screen. <laughs> We're not connecting to the thingamajiggers on top of the screen. Oh wow! And then it wasn't so it wasn't working. But I kept thinking. You know, it's not just the phone. This is how I communicate with you guys for work. And I don't ha- I don't even have your numbers. And then I'm getting my husband to text my colleague's husband so that she can go back to you guys and say, like, Lorraine doesn't have it. And I thought, do I tweet them? Like, how am I going to get a hold of you guys to set up stuff for the next day? Like, hey, at GMAC, can you give me a call? <sighs> Panic. Direct message. You can always slide into the DMs, Loren. I won't judge you for it. <laughs> um also, keep your text messages coming at 204-780-6868 on stories of when you walked to school. Like Jason, as a kid of the 80s, all I ever wanted was a skateboard. I begged my dad for months for one. Then I told him how I could use it to get to school faster every morning and never be late again. And that was what finally sold him on it. One problem. 
I was a terrible skateboarder. I could get maybe two feet and then I'd fall off. But I couldn't admit this to my dad. So for the rest of the school year, (laughs) I would leave the house at the last minute since I had told him just how fast to get skateboard to school. But then I would have to run to school carrying my skateboard just to be on time. Well, I guess you'd be in pretty good shape then, wouldn't you? (laughs) Does it have its benefits? (laughs) Fibbing has its benefits from time to time. So keep those stories coming. We're going to give away bomber tickets after uh, 9.15. And then at 9.30, we're speaking at... To an author at 9.05, we're speaking to another author at 9.35, Greg, local author David A. Robertson, who's adding yet more accolades to his ever-growing list. Because uh, having a new book out in the last week or so isn't enough. He's going to be included in something pretty special that's happening around the globe. It's an an honor reserved for uh, just one book in one set of grades uh, around the globe. So we'll find out all about that, which book, how he got this incredible assignment and uh, more. We always uh, love to uh, find an excuse to visit with our friend David Robertson. I'm just circling back for a moment to the um, conversation we had last half hour about biking to school, walking to school. I mean, that's why we're asking you to tell us a story because tomorrow's National Walk to School Day. And Jared texted saying, I think a reason why Nowadays, only 27% of kids walk to school, maybe a safety thing. When I was younger, I was in grade five or six, and I would walk quite a long way to school, three to four miles, often did it alone. This was never an issue in the 90s. Now it seems like there is a, a greater concern mm-hmm. and that leaves parents feeling rather worrisome uh, just because there are some shady people out there. Um, I, when I walk to school every day, sometimes by myself, sometimes with my sister. I was never, ever worried. I'm kind of wondering what I would feel like today. I don't know. Yeah, and is the worry, you know, there's so many things. Like, is it traffic-related? Is it about the fact that they'd have to cross the street where there's maybe no crosswalk? Is it that sort of predator concept? Like, who's out there and who might, you know, the stranger danger kind of thing? Like, there's all sorts of stuff going through the heads of parents that, that I think would have back then, but I, I feel like it's a bigger question and concern now and that's why a lot of people just either walk with their kid or drop them off or it might just be convenient like it's on your way to work I might as well I might as well take you and it also depends on where you live I think Greg and your access to it like I'm in a smaller community tons of kids walking back to school at a younger age than I think they would would in the city well you know it's interesting well it's interesting to me I don't know how interesting you'll find it but we stayed in uh, our neighborhood, uh, Jackie and I did uh, before we had our kids very conscientiously because the school in our neighborhood had such a great reputation. So that was always our intention was to have uh, access to a school that our kids could just uh, walk or bike to quite quickly and safely. Uh, but uh, some daycare situations and alternate daycare situations and lack of those services at that school forced us to look elsewhere. And so I think with people's uh, changing and evolving lifestyle, the conventional route just wasn't one that was going to work for us with regard to half-day kindergarten and no before and after school care. We needed those things. Otherwise, somebody was going to have to quit a job. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the logistics and the amount of uh, area I think that uh, schools serve and that you have access to, the different choices that you have access to, it's just not down the street anymore or you know, there's just not one 
choice. There are multiple choices. And I, I think that might be adding to our reliance on getting our kids to school by car, uh, which is why my kids ha- have always been driven to school and home just or in a carpool, just because of the fact that their school was much further than the neighborhood school. Also, in this segment, we mentioned earlier we were going to talk about uh, long-term care, and uh, we were hoping to speak to somebody about it. We've been having a hard time connecting with them this morning, Loren. Yeah, he's hoping to call in now. I just got a message, so I don't know if it works to pause and take a break and and bring him back on in a few minutes. Brett, I know we have lots to give away, too, in and around our conversation of walking to school, because we've got some great prizes, but maybe we can hit pause and and bring the long term care report on in that works. three minutes. That sounds like a plan to me. As so we we'll do, do this live on air. <laughs> I'm also going to go upstairs and get a water and let the dog out if anyone else wants that update. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, we have text messages for the win, for bomber tickets, for Boo at the Zoo. So we have a runner-up and we have our winning text and uh, Ray from Minnedosa gets a, uh, an honorable mention. I think we'll have to hold his text until 9.35, uh, Loren, just for timing here, because we got to rip through this. Oh, sure. Um, I did flag it here. i just looking at the clock, yeah. So we'll put it at 9.35. <laughs> High but, fault. But, no, shut up. Colin uh, says he's our runner-up. For Boo at the Zoo Passes, Colin says, I was in high school when that major winter storm hit in 1997 where it shut down the whole city for a while. I worked at a local grocery store. It was about a 25-minute walk on a good day, so I'd often walk to work. Sunday of the snowstorm, I wasn't scheduled to work, but my boss was calling all employees to see if anyone was available to come in as most of the roads were closed. So my mom answered the phone and readily agreed that, (laughs) yes, I could come in, no problem. Moms are great like that. (laughs) She then proceeded to dress me like Randy from A Christmas Story. I couldn't even put my arms down and made me walk the normal 25 minutes into work needless to say an hour and 10 minutes after i left the house i finally got to work with a lot not plowed zero cars in the lot and a whopping two employees at work i think we had four customers that whole day i spent most of my time watching a small tv in the break room and reruns of the prices right and to make <laughs> things even better my mom couldn't pick me up so i got to walk home again at 7 30 and she always likes to remind me on how tough that made me growing up <laughs> and how much money i made that day mom could pick him up. She knew what was better there. You're walking <laughs> back home. But uh, James is our winning text. Greg? Boy, I know this one. I I ran uh, track in high school. Regularly, I would sleep in and show up late because track was at 7 a.m. before school. At the time, I was a fast sprinter and my coach would get so upset with me. One morning, while I was sleeping in, my mother came to my room. She had a funny look on her face. She said, You have some friends at the door. So I went to the door, and what did I see? The entire track team and my coach all standing in my yard. I had to run back to school with them. I was at the head of the pack. Guess what? I was never late again. you imagine see that's a team I but like that's it. love that's tough love that's what yeah. that is man his teammates would not have been happy with him on that one though i'm guessing <laughs> james congratulations you're going to the bomber game Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, before we say hello to our next guest, as promised, Loren, we got to give Ray from Minnedosa an honorable shout-out for his story on uh, walking to school. 
And this is not just because Ray is from Minnedosa, although that did help, I think. He wrote to say, Growing up near Manitou, we lived a mile from town, which made for a short bus ride. I often had a joke or gag item on me, and one day I put some rubber fake vomit on the floor of the school bus. Someone saw it and instantly threw up. The bus was full, very close to town. Then others started throwing up. (laughs) Kids had their heads out the window, and we were begging to walk the rest of the way, but the driver had to get us all the way to school. Twas an awful morning, Ray texts. It was also winter, and the driver didn't wash the outside of the bus until it warmed up again. A memory <laughs> indeed. This mm. oh, this sounds like a movie. Like a Stand by scene me. straight out of a movie. Yes, exactly. The throwing the, the, up for the, the pie, pie contest. Yeah, with the Ipecac. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of. Okay, good. We're on the same page for that. Uh, great story, Ray, and great story to everyone else. We had... Uh, one of our other listeners saying, fingers crossed, I want to get those tickets from my dad. But it's tough to pick just one. So, sorry. Um, we are extremely fortunate to highlight the accomplishments of Manitobans who do wonderful things within the community. And it's extra rewarding when those we get to visit with receive national or even international acclaim. Well, our next guest was already a national treasure when we first met him four or five years ago. However... It seems as though every time we turn around, our friend is receiving one award or another or is presenting his work on a larger and larger stage. Now, Loren, I know we aren't really supposed to have favorites, but I'll speak for myself here. This guest easily lives in my top five regular guests on the start list. I think you could speak for all of us. I think that's because we like to say David A. Robertson. We like to get that middle initial in there, David. Good morning. Hey guys, listen, it's been way too long. I felt like you guys forgot me, forgot about me or something. I'm so glad to be back. I actually heard you on with, uh, I think, Jim Toth last week, and I was like, hang on, this is our yeah. guy. What's happening here? I felt slighted in the opposite end, David. So, yeah, well, you jo- cheat on you guys. Yeah, he didn't try to cheat, but you did join Jim last week uh, in the afternoon slot there because, of course, you were talking about the first ever day for truth and reconciliation. Now that we've had some breathing room after that david i wanted to ask you first how do how do you think that went at least in manitoba i think it went really well i you know i i think that canadians and manitobans they, they really um come together when it counts i find and um i think we need to give ourselves some credit that um people really showed up um there was this incredible march um and there was a great gathering at st john's park uh that my family and i went to and just like a sea of orange shirts just coming out um, from all backgrounds, uh, supporting survivors and, you know, children who did not survive. And it was a great day. Just, uh, and I hope it's like a motivating day where we, you know, we use that day as momentum and just like go forward and continue to work together and, um, and head to where we you know, need to go as a country. And I, I felt really hopeful that day. It was, um, I think it was a good day for Canada to have. It felt unifying in, in a great respect. But, Loren, you were at that uh, that very same event in St. John's Park. So uh, I'm going to step aside, let you and David talk about that a little more. Well, more than anything, David, I think I was surprised because we had done a surprise, maybe not the right word. I was so pleased to see just not just the outpouring of support, but in an interesting way, there were smiles on people's faces. And it wasn't necessarily celebratory, but I think the idea that so many people had come together, put smiles on their face in such a somber day. And so that was my feeling. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's the right word to use, celebratory. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I, I noticed that there was a really kind of, I think it was just an up, uplifting feeling. Um, and I think it just comes from community. I think it comes from people coming together for a common um, cause. And, you know, when you see that many people coming together, um, like-minded, um, it's, I think it can't be anything other than uplifting. I think that it's really a, a, an honoring of the legacy of these children. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing. So I, I think that even though it's, it is a day of reflection, I think it's also a day where we can, um, you know, feel hopeful and, and feel good about the direction that we're headed if we continue to be a community. David, uh, I had some extensive conversations with my boys. Uh, they were off from school that day, and and the schedule. Unfortunately, we had some things that needed to be done that just we couldn't make that that walk to St. John's Park. And I'm regretful that I didn't attend. But uh, I just wanted to ask you about something that you posted on on your Twitter. And not to be this isn't meant to be negative, but just uh, that Globe and Mail article you wrote about how to talk to your kids about about the day for truth and reconciliation. You said that you were threatened with bodily harm over that article. What, what are you willing to share uh, on that front? Yeah, I mean, I was hesitant to share the actual email because I didn't want to put any attention on myself or any sort of hate because I, I, I received, um, that article received so much positive attention. I think it was shared over 10,000 times from CBC's website, which is I think is a lot for the CBC parent section. And so, I, I, again, generally, um, this is not a reflection on, on Canadians because they came out and they showed up and they were they shared it. Um, but I do, you know, just from the platform that I, that I have and the, and the work that I'm in, I, I do get from time to time um, some difficult emails to, to read. Um, and for this email, it, was, it went a little bit too far. And it was... Uh, well, I think it amounted really to a death threat. And uh, so I just, you know, I, I did, I talked to CBC and I got the police involved. And, and I think that's all we can really do. I think it was just really a troll just trying to, you know, just upset me. Um, and I, think, I just think that you can't let, you know, people like that stop you from what you're doing. Because there's so many more people out there that are showing so much love. Um, and so it wasn't pleasant and it was a little scary, but, um, I don't think anything's going to come of it. And, um, I think that, uh, we can't bend to the, to the whim of uh, the very few that want to throw around some hate. So David A. Robertson, he's our guest. He is a local, highly acclaimed author, and you have released yet another book, David, The Great Bear. Tell us about it. Yeah, The Great Bear. I was excited about that one. It came out last week and... Um, you know, the Bearing Grounds uh, had such a, you know, really like a, um, uh, an amazing year where it just like was a dream come true. I think we never even expected that, that it would do as well as it did. And then The Great Bear is its sequel. Um, and so it just continues the story of these two Cree foster kids who are going through some struggles on Earth and in their school and their, their personal lives and um, decide that they're going to travel back to the North Country, where they travel to in the Barren Grounds to try and find a way that we, they can find some strength to deal with um, the really difficult things that they're dealing with in their own lives and, and, and to just to lean on the animal beings that they have found to be family. And while they are, of course, they are encountered by, they, they encounter another really grave threat and band together with their animal being relatives and 
try to save the community and uh, in the process learn a little bit more about themselves. And so it's a really fun sequel to write. It's actually a time travel story, which I've always wanted to do. And um, yeah, I think it opened in the top uh, 10 in Canada this last week. So I was really excited about that. And I'm really excited just for people to read more of the series and to um, and to just like um, get to know Morgan and Eli a little better. Now, this is for technically, is it middle age, like middle grades, you would say, David, in terms of who you would target to read this? But I, like, I know adults can too, but is it more about that middle grade book? Yeah, you're right, Loren. Um, it, it, the adults, are, you know, they, they love YA and middle grade literature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such an incredible gra- ground right now for inventive and exciting stories. But yeah, it's a middle grade story. So it's really just, um, it's really for uh, directed towards grade four to like grade six ish, grade four to seven. Um, but again, you see it, you see high school kids reading it, you see adults reading it, um, which is really exciting. And it's a great book to just you know read together as well. Um, yeah, so it's but it's a middle grade like fantasy series. And sorry, just correct me if I'm wrong. Is this not your third book in the last year? I think we had you on a year ago where you had back to back books. Like you, you don't sleep, right? We've covered that. I don't sleep. No, I no. I just uh, I have like cat naps every once in a while uh, throughout the day. Um, but no, I, I I had a picture book coming out earlier this year, and um, and then the Great Bear came out uh, this this month, and then last month uh, the Bear and Gowns came out in paperback, which was really which was really cool. Um, yeah, but you know, it's just like it's just taking little bites of projects here and there. It's not like a superhero feed. It's just like. Um, your wife uh, scheduling your Google calendar uh, really well. Well, and of course, you're, you're a father <laughs> on top of it all, and uh, hockey season has started. I see one of your boys is already having some success, so congratulations on that, David. But we do want to ask you about this global read aloud, and it's the Baron Grouds that'll be a part of this. Can you, can you tell us a, a little bit about this? What an incredible opportunity to spread the word and to, to share this story with with kids around the globe. Yeah, it's really, I was really thrilled um, because this is such an incredible program. It was started by an amazing educator in the States. Uh, Her name is Pernille Rip. um, And she started this program about, uh, I think this is its 11th year. Um, And the the goal of it was just to um, choose books, one book from uh, different uh, reading levels. So there's middle grade, there's why there's, you know, picture books and, and just to bring teachers together um, and to go through the experience of reading a book, one book that would kind of bring students and teachers together. Um, and it's a six week program. So you read the book aloud to your students for six weeks. Um, teachers share lesson plans and ideas with each other. You know, I'm included with some of the group chats with the teachers and I get to read what they're doing. Um, and then they reach out to me and ask me questions. I get to do a lot of school visits to talk to kids who are reading the books and answer their questions and read a little bit, a little bit to them as well. And it's just like this incredible, um, really just like a literacy initiative um, that engages kids, that you know, brings forward uh, you know, important books that teach them things. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just a really exciting, innovative program that I'm just so uh, proud to be and really humbled to be a, a part of. David A. Robertson, congratulations on yet another thing to put on your list of acclaims and accolades. And, uh, hey, well-deserved, sir. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. I love you, I love you guys. Thanks a lot. 
Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.